Thank you, Kathy. Great hymn of the faith. How firm a foundation. I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. And that's what we can trust with the Lord, isn't it? Well, let's turn tonight to Genesis 13. And then we're going to be over in chapter 19 too, some. And then also looking at 2 Peter as we think about the life of a man named Lot. Uh, we've been looking at some of the uh, accounts regarding Abram, Abraham, and his nephew was this man named Lot. And we can learn a lot from Lot. The life of Lot and the choices that he made provide a great lesson on how this world would seek to lure us away from the path that God would have for us. And the choice that Lot made, the choice that was before him, is the choice that we really all have to face as believers. And yes, I said believers, because there are many, when they think about Abraham and Lot, they think in terms of, well, Abraham was a saved person and Lot was a lost person. And that that's the example that they give, the example of a saved person in their life and a lost person in their life. That's actually not what the Bible says. They both were believers, so to speak. They both were people of God. But one of them chose as a believer, as a, a person who believed in the true God, to be a friend of God, and the other chose something less than that. Now, why do I say that? Because if you look at 2 Peter chapter 2, Peter gives us some insight. Before we read the passage in Genesis, look at 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 7 through 9. Because uh, this reveals something about Lot. 2 Peter 2, beginning at verse 7. Well, let me read, let me start before that because it's in the middle of one of those really long sentences. Let's go back up to verse 4. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly, and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds." Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. And so in that example that Peter was giving of how God can deliver people, his people, from the midst of 
ungodliness. And when he's going to bring judgment, he delivers the righteous. Before he brings judgment, he uses his one example, Lot. And Lot here is described as righteous Lot. Now, understand, I don't think this is saying that uh, Lot was a totally righteous man. And that he made, he's not saying Lot made all the right choices. But this is a matter of comparison. Those who were going to be brought to destruction and judgment as opposed to the people of God. Even somebody like Lot, who made a lot of bad choices, he was a person of God. And God would not allow him to be destroyed there in Sodom and Gomorrah. Before he brought destruction on Sodom and Gomorrah, he delivered Lot out of that terrible place. Now, let's go back to Genesis 13. Because what we're dealing with here is Abraham, a righteous man, who made some bad choices too at times, as we've already seen, and Lot, who was also a person of God. But we see the contrast in the way their lives developed. Because Abraham, even though he sometimes made some wrong decisions, he chose to be a friend of God. Let me read Genesis 13, the first 13 verses. Because there was a choice that came for these two men. Then Abram went up from Egypt. Now remember we saw a few weeks ago Abram had gone to Egypt because there was a terrible famine or drought. And he, he lied about his wife, didn't he? Remember that? Uh, because he was afraid that Pharaoh would take his beautiful wife and kill him. And he made out as if she was only his sister and not his wife. And Pharaoh found out about it, and God spared, he spared Abram from that situation, even though he had made a wrong choice. So he was now going to leave Egypt. Abram went up from Egypt. It's always good in the Bible when you're going up from Egypt, and it's always bad when you're going down to Egypt. In your life, you don't want to be going down to Egypt. You want to be going up from Egypt. Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him. Lot had gone with him. He was his brother's son, so Lot was his nephew. To the south, Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning. So what was Abram doing? He left Egypt and went back to the place where God had led him, and where he had built an altar, he went back to that place and he essentially renewed his following of the Lord. It's always good for us when we realize we've gone down to Egypt to be willing to go back to where God wants us to be. To not be too proud to say, Lord, I've, I've made a mistake here. I've done something that I shouldn't have done and I'm going to go back. I'm going back to the place of worship. I'm going back to the altar. He went back to Bethel, a place uh, to, pit the, the, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. 
And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Lot also, who went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. Imagine that, people not getting along with each other. The Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go toward Zoar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. Abram dwelt in Canaan. That was the promised land. And Sodom became the choice of Lot. Now, James 2.23 identifies Abram, uh, Abraham as the friend of God. That's what James calls him. This, and the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. So Abram was the friend of God. But that passage also mentions another uh, designation for a person it doesn't name lot but it also talks about how to be at enmity with God is to be a friend of this world to be a friend of this world is to be at enmity with God and I think of lot when I think of that person you see lot the nephew of Abraham we don't know a great deal about him but we know here he was given a choice by his uncle and his uncle was the elder person. And Lot could have deferred to him, but he didn't, did he? Instead, Abram deferred to Lot. That's not really the way it should have been. But Abram was so gracious and so kind that he told Lot, you choose wherever you want to go. If you want to go to the left, I'll go to the right. Or if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. And so Lot chose the, the, uh, the land that looked like it would uh, give him the greatest financial reward. That's what it amounts to. He chose the cities of the plain that was well watered and beautiful. And it looked like that would be the place to go. It occurred when God had so prospered Abraham and Lot that their herds were too much for the land. And because of the size of their holdings, the herdsmen of the two men had begun to quarrel with each other. And so big-hearted Abram made this suggestion, you choose 
and I'll go the other way. And Lot took advantage of this opportunity, and it demonstrated his character. He knew the God of Abraham, the God, the true God. He knew him, but he didn't make his choice in the light of God's presence. There's no mention here of Lot building an altar. There's no mention of him calling on the name of the Lord. There's no mention of him worshiping. He just looked up, and with his eyes, he saw what looked most appealing, and that is how he made his choice. Even though he's called a righteous man, the righteous Lot in Peter, we're not talking about an unsaved person, so to speak, here, but we're talking about a carnal Christian. We're talking about a Christian who, in his decision-making, is not putting God first. He wants to have a foot in both camps. And here he chooses where he wanted to go based on what was most appealing to his eyes. The values reflected in his choice were the values of this world. And that is the course that he followed throughout his life. While Abraham, after having made a poor choice, returned to Bethel, returned to the altar, called on the name of the Lord, worshipped the Lord. He was, through his lifetime, a seeker of the city of God, a seeker of what God desired. And God used him greatly. And Lot, instead, was a person who sought his place in this world. What could give him the most, rather than thinking about how he could give God the most with his life. In a sense, Lot be, chose to be a friend of the world instead of a friend of God. And I fear that too many Christians are so enamored with this world that they really are more concerned about being a friend of the world than they are about being a friend of God. You see, you can, you can have faith in God and believe in God and yet not be close to God not be a friend of God in that respect. And this is who Lot was. He became an example of how God would even deliver somebody like Lot, who wasn't a committed follower, but who did have faith in him. He delivered him from Sodom before he brought destruction. He didn't just bring destruction on Lot like he did all of the unbelievers of Sodom. No, he delivered him. That tells us something about our salvation. Our salvation, again, is not based on our perfection or our goodness. It's based on the perfection of God himself. And when he saves you and calls you and makes you his own, that's forever. And it's not dependent on how perfect you remain in your behavior. If that was the case, we'd all be lost. We'd all be lost. Because we are not perfect in our behavior. None of us. But in our following of Jesus Christ, it should be our great desire to be a friend of God. To be like Him. And to honor Him. And through the course of His life, that's what Abraham sought to do. Yes, he stumbled and fell, made mistakes along the way. But in general, the course of his life was he wanted to be used of God and God used him greatly. And Lot is an example of a believer who did exactly the opposite.
The path that Lot followed, we have to look over to Genesis chapter 19. We see the choice that he made. And there's another long example of how uh, poor Abraham saved Lot when Lot was uh, taken captive. Uh, but even after he was taken captive by the kings of the, of the plain, it wasn't a warning enough to Lot that he needed, instead of moving closer to Sodom, he needed to move away from Sodom instead when we get to chapter 19 of Genesis, look what we find. Remember the heavenly visitors that came and uh, appeared there with Abraham? And then they went to Sodom and Gomorrah. In chapter 19, it says, Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening. And this is after they'd had this back and forth, Abraham praying that God would spare the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. He bargained with God all the way from 50 righteous people all the way down to 10. Well, Lord, if, the, if, there's, if there's even 10 righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah, won't you spare them? And God came all the way down to 10. And here they went to Sodom. And now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and who did they find there? And Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. So by now, he not only had pitched his tent near Sodom, he was living in Sodom, wasn't he? You see the progression in his life? First, he chooses the cities of the plain, and then he pitched his tent close to Sodom, and eventually here he is now living in Sodom. And beyond that, apparently, the fact he was sitting at the gate would indicate that he had become a person of some influence there. Maybe because he was one of the only, you know, rational people that was living there in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, for someone to be at the city gate, that was where business was conducted. And many believe that that would indicate he was on like the city council of Sodom and Gomorrah and was a person who had some means and influence. And they found when they got to Sodom, there Lot was. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, here now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise early and go on your way. He wanted to get them out of that town as fast as he could. Because he knew what kind of place he was living in. Have you ever noticed that? When you are around somebody who knows the Lord, they know God, but they're living far away from what God would want their life to be. Your very presence sometimes makes them extremely uncomfortable. Have you ever noticed that? And it's not that you seek to do that. It's not that you've said anything or judgmental to them. Sometimes just your very presence. They know that where they are is not where they ought to be. And your presence makes them very uncomfortable. And so here, uh, Lot, he wanted to get them in the house as quickly as he could, spend the night, and then get them out of town. Because he knew that nothing good was going to happen. Then you may rise early, he said, and go your way. And they said, no, but we'll spend the night in the open square. 
You can just imagine the terror on Lot's face when they said that. Oh, that's all right. We won't go to your house. We're just going to stay out here in the square all night. But he insisted strongly. So they turned into him and entered his house. And then he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread and they ate. Now before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. And they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. There's not any more terrible statement in Scripture than you find right here. These were angels from God. Now, the people didn't, didn't know that. But here they surround Lot's house. And they want to send those men out so they can use them in a sexual way. So Lot went out to them through the doorway and shut the door behind him and said, Please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. But it doesn't appear that this bothered Lot until these angels showed up. He had become so inured to their behavior and to the sin around him that he was living in that city. And apparently it didn't bother him until they were wanting these men to be sent out to them. See, now I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please, let me bring them out to you, and you may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men, since this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. You see, Lot knew why they were there. Now, I've read other commentators that said it doesn't appear that Lot had any knowledge of who these two men were. I don't know that he knew everything about who these two men were, but this tells me Lot knew that God had sent these men to that place because it says, since this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. Why had they come? Lot knew they were there to do something about that city. He knew they were there because God knew that these people were going to behave in the way they were behaving. And so he was saying to them, you take my daughters, do whatever you want to them. Now part of this is the custom of that day that if a visitor was in your home, you would defend them to the death. You would put your life or the life of your family at risk before you'd allow those visitors to be harmed. That's part of what's going on here. And I'm not defending Lot saying, yeah, take my daughters and do whatever you want with them. I mean, that, uh, what a horrible thing to say. But that was part of the custom of that day, that you defended a stranger or a visitor that you had taken into your home. You would defend them to the death. But look at this awful situation. All because of the choice that Lot had made a long time before. And so he's trying to reason with these people who were so controlled by sin that they were, they were beyond reason. Verse 9, and they said, stand back. 
Then they said, this one came in to stay here, and he keeps acting as a judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. So the people of the city, the men of the city, they didn't appreciate Lot telling them no. And you know what? Today, it's the same way. People don't want to be told no. They don't want to be told that's wrong. You can't do that. It's all about what I want, my rights, what I feel. That's all that matters. That isn't all that matters. And so Lot was saying, no, you can't do that. And now they say, we're going to deal with you more harshly than with them because you're sitting in judgment of us. Here we are thousands of years later. That those very words are still coming from the mouths of people who are living in a sinful lifestyle. If you ever point out the truth of God, what, what do you hear? Well, you don't have a right to judge me. Same thing. Same words, thousands of years later. Different culture, different time, different place. The same words coming out of the mouths of the same kind of people. And so they pressed hard against the man Lot and came near to break down the door. But the men reached out their hands and pulled Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they became weary trying to find the door. Well, that's enough of reading the details of the story here. You see what's happened. Here, Lot followed a path that brought him to this terrible place in his life. He didn't get there uh, in one day. He didn't get there because I, think, I don't think he set out to get there. I don't think anybody sets out to end up in Sodom. But they make some decisions, and one decision leads to another and to another and to another, and before you know it, over the course of a lifetime, you can go from Bethel and the altar of God where Abraham had him to Sodom. And that's what happens when we choose to be a friend of the world instead of a friend of God. And I know there are people that they'll laugh and make fun of you, of all of us, for being old-fashioned, for wanting to worship, for wanting to be a friend of God. Don't ever think that's the wrong thing to do. Don't ever feel like you're wasting your time when you choose to be a friend of God because you're not. Because Lot found out that destruction would come to that place that he had set his course upon. These friends that Lot embraced, what a bunch, huh? He was ashamed of his friends when these righteous men came to his house. He was ashamed of them because he knew all along that he wasn't in the place that he should be. When Lot chose to be a friend with the citizens of Sodom, it wasn't long until Sodom began, began to find a way into his heart. And that's the problem. That when you surround yourself with the people of Sodom, you're going to get a little bit of Sodom in your heart too. Maybe a lot. And so it's so very important 
that we surround ourselves with people who love God. That doesn't mean you don't interact with people who are not Christians. I'm not saying that. But you don't want to pitch your tent there. You don't want to move into that city. You want your city to be the city of God. And then you will have the light and the strength to be able to share that light with people who need to come to Jesus Christ and be delivered from their sin. The consequences of Lot's choice. Well, we know fire and brimstone was rained down on Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot and his daughters and his wife, they didn't want to leave, did they? But they did. We know that Lot's wife turned around. She loved it there so much, she had to turn around and get one last look to her own destruction. But a lot of people don't realize what happened with Lot and his daughters. Look at the end of chapter 19. I'm just going to read through this, not comment a whole lot on it because it's so terrible. But it shows you that once Sodom got into the heart of these people, it was there even when they left. Verse 30, then Lot went up out of Zoar and dwelt in the mountains, and his two daughters were with him, for he was afraid to dwell in Zoar. And he, and he and his two daughters dwelt in a cave. Now the firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is no man on the earth to come into us, as is the custom of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve the lineage of our father. So they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father, and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. It happened on the next day that the firstborn said to the younger, Indeed, if I lay with my father last night, let us make him drink wine tonight also, and you go in and lie with him, that we may preserve the lineage of our father. Then they made their father drink wine that night also, and the younger arose and lay with him, and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. Thus both the daughters of Lot were with child by their father. The firstborn bore a son and called his name Moab. He is the father of the Moabites to this day. And the younger, she also bore a son and called his name Ben-Ami. He is the father of the people of Ammon, the Ammonites to this day. And so what were the consequences of these choices? Well, Abraham, who chose to be a friend of God, he became the father of the faithful. He became the one out of his line came the Messiah who would become the Savior of all the world. That's what being a friend of God, Abraham gave to this world. Lot, who chose a very different path, gave us the Moabites and the Ammonites, who to this day, their descendants are the enemies of the people of God, the enemies of Israel. And that is what these simple choices can lead to. You know, choose which way you'll go. Seemed like such a simple choice, didn't it? Appealing to the eye. Appealing to the senses. That's what Lot chose. Never did he think it would end up 
that both of his daughters would be bearing a child by their own father. I'm sure he never thought that. But that were the consequences of his choice. And so, in conclusion, I don't want you to be too down about all this. It's not a very, it's not a very uplifting story, is it? Focus on Abraham. Look at what being a friend of God, what happened to Abraham's life and what he helped to give to the world, what God did through him. But we can also learn from the negative. Look at what putting your focus on being a friend of this world and having the things of this world, if that becomes your, your primary objective in life, it's not going to end well. In His grace and mercy, God still delivered Lot. But what could He have done with Lot if He had made the choice to worship at Bethel instead of to live in Sodom? Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you that you call us to follow you and to be your friend, to be your servant. And Lord, there is no greater thing than for us to have a relationship with you. We praise you and thank you that you give us that opportunity. Just as Abraham believed and it was accounted to him for righteousness, you do the same with us when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, help us in our lives as your people to choose the way Abraham chose, to worship, to call on your name, to seek your direction, and not to seek to be a friend of this world. Now, as we observe the Lord's Supper, we ask that you'll lead us, and we pray that this might be a time of drawing near to you and being committed to you in a way that will touch the world around us. Thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice. And now as we observe that, we pray that you will be honored and lifted up. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.